1: hello and welcome to the guna talk back again with you guys for another show Uh, back for another episode of our let's talk arsenal series a show in which we have a discussion about all the latest ongoings at the club i'm very happy today to be joined by a couple of guests first of all it's sophie how you doing sophie you well are you good
2: very well tom how about yourself
1: yes yeah very good bit tired but other than that you know good me too. soldiering forwards yeah, me um too. apologies if you hear any background noise from sophie we can't i'm, I'm sure that we can't okay good but uh, but uh yeah apologies if there is any in the background i'll blame yeah. lev anyway yes of course <laughs> uh speaking of which we're joined by shaheen's right hand man lev how you doing lev are you well, well- I love the fact that you lead with me, yeah, like Shaheen. (laughs) You come in with Shaheen when you want to introduce me, yeah? Even
0: when I'm here, you mention Shaheen first.
1: Look, if it's easy to wind someone up, I tend to do that. (laughs) uh, This is my feelings. I've just... Anyway, no, I'm happy to
0: be here. I've made it this time around. My debut on this channel, isn't it? No, I've done done one already, haven't I? But with
1: with with the better half, Shaheen. Shaheen, yes, yes, yes. yes. I was no, but I'm happy to be here, though. I was concerned about splitting you two up, but you both uh, Shaheen (laughs) came on the other day and and very much enjoyed it, and uh, now you're on as well. So look uh... at
0: look at the mayhem it's caused. Me and him now. Look, I'm I'm on the show on my own for the next week or two because of you. There you go, (laughs) mate.
1: (laughs) I mean, you, you hosted very well the other day, I thought, Lev. I thought it went very, very well. So, so condescending. Well. Yeah, thanks, mate. <laughs> no I, love, I love
2: the comment in chat. Shaheen and Lev are the ant and dick.
1: <laughs> Oi, who's ant and who's deck? I saw the postcard, yeah. Oh, who's shorter out of the two of you?
0: Oh, I'm definitely shorter. Definitely so you deck really then. Sure. First. Um,
1: That's how that works. <laughs> <goes. laughs> <Great>. uh, <dearie laughs> I've never anyway, heard
0: Shaheen being compared to Ant before, but there you go. Doesn't yes.
2: strike me as an Ant at all. It's, it's your
0: TGT crew. A bit weird, isn't it? Mm. Mm. Well, I'm not going to say no, anything. i Just love you. We love community.
1: you. Really. <laughs> anyway, chat box. Hope you're doing good. Hope you're doing well. Make sure you drop a like on the video and subscribe. Yeah. If you haven't done so already, we hit 28,000 this week. Thank you for your continued support. Um, but we are joining, uh, you guys, after of course, Arsenal have battered Sunderland 5-1 in the League Cup quarter final. Uh, it didn't feel like it was gonna be a battering when that Sunderland goal <laughs> went in. Um, and it was ironically because I tweeted at 2-0, this is going to be a breeze, which should have been such a moment of clarity for me to never tempt fate again. Um, And obviously people replied saying you were saying uh, after their goal went in. But let's just get some overall thoughts, Sophie, about the match. How do you think it went and uh, were you impressed with the performance?
2: I saw your follow-up tweet to that too, which was hilarious. It made me chuckle and I thought to myself, well, how many times do we all just stop? before we tweet. Yeah, and think I think it was about... something like,
1: he says dot 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 <laughs>
0: <Yeah. laughs> he has oh, yeah. had a few of those moments recently though, Sophie. So I would just I think he's getting True. used to it now. Didn't oh, he spread it's... a twenty five million pound rumor around somewhere
1: else? Oh, <laughs> That's an awful call up that is terrible.
0: <laughs> anyway oh gosh. Well
2: look it should have been a battering. They're a League One team and they're definitely better than they've been. I think under this new manager, Sunderland are starting to develop an identity and a style. They have a couple of really um, interesting players. Uh, who was their number nine, Tom? That went off injured. Uh,
1: um, uh,
0: um, Something. He might have scored against us, basically. Him. Yeah,
2: the guy who scored when he went off. I was kind of relieved <sighs> because he was causing us all sorts of problems. Um, I thought he was running really good channels, yeah. and with Ben White. And, you know, Rob not having played with each other in competitive matches, really, um, f- have they played together? Did they play? In, I don't think I, they were together against Brentford either. I'm they not played sure. against
1: Leeds, Brentford. Uh, White and Holding yeah. In
2: the EFL Cup, right? hmm yeah. Yeah, so for me, I thought it was the right outcome. Um, dare I say, not to brag, but I predicted 5-1 on on the old Highbury <laughs> squad. And I thought to myself, this is a good performance against a side that maybe we would have struggled against a couple of seasons ago. People would have battered us for not beating teams in the past in that manner. And so for me, even after the 2-1, I felt like we were always going to try and overcome the adversity. We had enough quality to win that game. Some good performances and also some glaring kind of reminders that should we have a couple of injuries, the players that would step into those positions are still very, very worrying. Not getting too excited, but I am excited about, you know, players like Patino coming on and scoring on his debut, Um, Mm. Eddie getting a hat-trick, but do I think that he's ready to beat top league, top players um, and top sides in the Premier League? I don't think so. So, great win, but I don't want to get carried away with it a bit too much.
1: No, of course. In Sunderland, I don't think there's any reason for us to get carried away. It was always going to be a game where the positives were going to be measured and the negatives were going to be far louder if there were any because of the, the opponent. Lev! Same question, how did you feel after the match? How did you feel about how we played and what we can expect Mm. moving forwards from these players? To be honest with you, as Sophie quite rightly said, I mean, I'm
0: not getting carried away with it. Um, I was more interested to see individual performances. I was fully expecting us to win that game. Um, There were some plus signs, signs, but there was also, uh, like Sophie also rightfully said, there were some reminders that if we do have a few injuries, we are still a little bit thin in certain areas, um, midfield in particular. Like who have we got? If we get a couple of injuries, part to, to Partey or Xhaka, you still got the likes of El Nene. Lekongo is, is is still not quite ready. The, the the defense situation, I'm still not sold on holding at all. To be honest mm. with you, I've never been sold on holding, and I'm still not sold on him. Um, it was a bit worrying. There was a slight moment where it looked like we went back in time to the Arsenal of old where it was like almost like a PTSD, like a slight moment where we thought, oh my God, we've, they've scored a goal and we started to panic and it almost looked like they could mm. score at will. Like, I, I mm. was actually shocked and I'm watching two different games here. But then obviously, second half we came, uh, came back out and it, it was a totally different game after that. But, I'm not getting carried away with it. Yes, it was. there were some positives. Patino getting his uh, debut goals great, but I, I don't want us to get carried away with that lad Diver. I mean, the goal he scored, it wasn't a worldie. You would expect him to finish that in training. It was just good that it was a big name from the youth, so everyone's been touting and he's come on and he's done well. Eddie, my only concern with Eddie getting a hat-trick is, do we start thinking, oh, he's the answer to our long-term problems? I don't want us to go down that route. I think we're on a good route here. We, we've, the, the positives, lots of passages of play things Mm. that we haven't noticed before there seems to be more of a uh, continuity uh, and and a link between say the likes of Odegaard in midfield and and the guys ahead of him they seem to have a clearer understanding of what they're doing and how to find each other now they're the positives for me but Mm. overall it's Sunderland and we shouldn't get too carried away but another 90 minutes for for the team to gel
1: so Flev mentioned Enketia there and you were shaking your heads uh, in regards to him being a possible future option. Uh, it's something obviously that we've seen at Arsenal in the past, players have left and then we've maybe have come to regret it. Yeremi Martinez is, possibly Matteo Genduzzi will turn into one of those players as well. But I get the feeling that you don't feel that's going to be the case for Enketia.
0: I just don't get that vibe from him. I don't look at him and go, oh my God, do you know that? Is your you name know? Sophie? <laughs> I don't know. I thought he was asking me, mate. I said, I thought he was asking me, mate, yeah? I got carried away, yeah? All right? I don't get that vibe. And how do you I know, got Sophie on a weekend. You don't know that this time. Listen, day,
1: listen now,
2: Dick. <laughs> listen, Dick. He's used to, like, yes. you
0: know. Why don't you ask Lev the question and let her, ask, let her answer.
2: Go on, Lev, carry
0: on. No, I'm no, like... no, I'm upset now. No, upset. <laughs> no. <laughs> that's all I was going to say. I just don't get that vibe, Sophie. But obviously, I was. There was a segue for you.
2: No, I think what happens with us is that you know there are players that are teetering on whether they're staying or going. And there are players that Mikel Arteta some has has or wants to convince to stay. And it's not necessarily in the best interest of the club as fans. Now, I'm not in training every single day. He, he lords Eddie for his work rate. And I'm sure Eddie works really, really hard. But he wants to have more minutes. But I don't think he's got the quality to do that in the Premier League. And Arsenal are going to be judged... In the Premier League, our competitiveness and consistency has to elevate in the Premier League. And some of these players have been around long enough for us to know that they're just not there. Uh, and I, I think if we need to, if we want to improve and get better as a squad, we need to improve certain positions. Striker, we need a world-class striker in order for us to be a consistent team, in order for us to grow. We're, we're getting the creativity now from Udegaard. We're seeing different movement without Abamyang up front. Our pace has improved. Dare I say, even our midfield in the last couple of games has played faster because Lacazette just runs different channels to Bamiyang and he's not as lazy. Same with, um, with the, the boys who play on the flank. So for me, Eddie can do it against Sunderland. He does it in the Carabao Cup and you need a squad, Tom, in order to be able to do that. But is he the long-term answer? I don't think so. And right now his stock is high again. So if you can get 10 or 15 million for a British player from a team like a Newcastle or even a Leeds, you know, I think we make that deal. Look what happened with Willock. Everybody got super excited and he's really not performed or done well since he's gone to Newcastle. But we did well getting money out of that deal. So for me, I'd like to see him moved on, even though I so appreciate what he's done for us in cup competitions like this.
1: I've thrown a poll into the chat box um, for you guys to leave a vote on, um, asking will Arsenal regret letting Eddie Nketiah go after just a minute, 71% of people saying no, 29% of people saying yes. Yes. Lev, um, what do we think uh, about yeah. this and, and whether or not we would? I mean, I know that you you did go on a little bit there about whether or not you feel that he would be an issue and or not be an issue, whether it would be an issue to let him go. But he, what he has done, and I asked this question to a few people this morning um, at work, and I was saying, do you think if Enketia was in place of a Bamiyang, say, this season, would he have scored more goals than the four Premier League goals than he has? And actually, mm. the general consensus was yes. Like he would probably would have scored more goals than the has done in the Premier League this season, given the same chances. Mm. So. With the idea that Abamyang's future is still uncertain, Lacazette's looking like he could leave at the end of the season, Balogun's going on loan. Can we even afford to let Nketiah go, say, in January, if a bid was to come in? Because we would be pretty light on our heels with strikers then.
0: Yeah, 100%. I I, I agree with you on that. If we let him go now, we need a contingency. I mean, I've just looked in the news and uh, there's rumours that we're willing to let Bamiang go in January. Mm. I don't know whether that's rumours or not. I think... There is something behind it because I, 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 the treatment of a indicates to me it's a lot worse than what we've been told. Um, it, it just the way Mikel Arteta looks, he just is fuming. We discussed this the other day. He is fuming, He's like his best mate is gone out with his ex girlfriend or something. It's that bad. So, um, if, if Eddie does go, we need a contingency. Even if Bamian goes and we keep Eddie, we still need a contingency because Eddie's not the answer in my opinion. It's a tough one because we have had something similar happen to this where uh, back in the day, I don't know if you remember, we had Andy Cole. We had Andy Cole and you know he was scoring for fun in, in the under-21s uh, at that time or under-23s, whatever you want to call it back then. But, he wasn't quite cutting it. We let him out to Bristol and he, he started developing and then suddenly he went to Newcastle and scored like 40 plus goals. It could happen. You just don't know. You can never tell. We, we're we not fortune tellers. But he's all overall play, all-round players improved, Eddie's. He, he looks better on the field with a hold up, his touch. He looks more accomplished in that aspect. But I just wouldn't want to go a season relying on him to score the goals for us, to keep us up. So I'd rather go with Martinelli in the central role to get us goals than Eddie. Even though Eddie's all-round play, again, is, is probably better. But we need more than that. If we're going to catapult us to the next levels, we need more than an Eddie Nketiah. We need a Vlaovic type or someone who's on the cusp of becoming a top striker um, <laughs> that will settle in and, and really take us forward. Yeah, Did, oh,
1: we, did, I did you, you,
0: Tom
2: and Lev, do you think Mikel... I, I like to read maybe a lot deeper than I should sometimes and things are probably not that deep. But I thought it was interesting that he started Balogun and Enketia. And of course, Balogun played more out of position, right? Mm. But was it a message in a sense that it was smart because Eddie's, Eddie got the hat trick, elevated the perception of the player. I think he knows that Balogun probably isn't quite ready. He's in the shop window for a loan. Eddie's in the shop window for a buy. And I just thought it was really smart to to play them and I'm probably thinking a lot more sinister than I should be but mm. it was evident it was evident that Eddie's the one who's more ready and Balogun isn't mm. and I think I think the value um of that you know and choosing them both and and seeing Eddie shine the way he did was really smart knowing that potentially he could be he could be moved on I I Seeing them next to each other, you could just get the sense that, you know, with Eddie having been on loan, gone to Leeds, you can see that he's just got a little bit more of that touch and experience. Whereas Balogun is still like a rough diamond that Mm. needs to be, you know, polished and sharpened a little bit.
1: Yeah, I think that there's a player in Balogun there that has obviously been playing slightly off of centre with Mika Biref for the youth side. Um, Mm -hmm. So he has played a little bit further to the left but to be honest in the youth team it is a very different game and when you're going up against senior defenders you're going to be forced much further out wide than you would necessarily for the youth side so he's not getting in the box as much I think that Nketiah is a player that you're right is just at that next stage on in his development where he needs to be playing for a team where he's the starting striker at 22 Um whether that's a Premier League side or a Championship side or a, a club abroad it, we'll have to wait and see where he goes when he inevitably leaps but He's a player that I think that when you look at the the decision that Arteta had to use both because of a Bamiyang situation, he kind of had to, you know, drop players and, and bring players in that maybe mm-hmm. he wouldn't have done had a Bamiyang been available or we hadn't had, if maitland or Chambers was available from COVID, we may not have even seen Ch- uh, Patino come off the bench because he may not have been included. But when he used the players that he's got there, he was, you're right, clever to play Balogun and Nketiah. And Balogun would be fuming, by the way, that Nketiah got a hat-trick. Like, he would be absolutely livid with that because you could tell that he wanted to work spaces to take shots to get on the score sheet. He really wanted to impress. And I think mm-hmm. maybe that that over-desire to to get onto the score sheet probably let him down in his performance a bit and was probably why he was the first to be substituted on the night. Mm-hmm. Um He's he gonna should go have online.
0: scored, Tom. He should have scored twice in the first half. He had a couple the, of times. The header was the right. header would have yeah, been the a header great finish. Have, if he, had, if yeah. he gets a couple of goals for senior at senior level, I think it will be a different player. But yeah. I mean, you compare the likes of someone like Eddie to when you saw Nicholas Anelka first come and play for Arsenal at that age, 17, 18. Yeah, Yeah. that's the difference in golf we're talking about. Eddie is not at that level. And Elka was a phenom
2: though too, wasn't he? He was
0: ridiculous. But I'm just saying that's what we've become accustomed to seeing, Sophie. I'm not saying it's right to feel that way. But if you compare, you could see chalk and cheese. Eddie will do okay. He will earn a good living out of it, but he Mm -hmm. won't be... Uh, uh, generational, potential generational talent. I, like, I, I agree. I
2: think we get too attached. We get too emotional with wanting to let players go. And we've seen that it worked with, I mean, look at Iwobi, right? That's one of the best deals in the history of Arsenal oh Football God. Club to get £35 <laughs> yeah. million for a player like that.
1: 25 so, million for million, not I just think that, that sometimes
2: we get too attached to the performance versus the actual ability, trajectory and potential of the player. um and look, if he ends up helping us win the uh, EFL Cup, uh, uh, we haven't won it since 93. What a wonderful thing that would be. But is he the long-term answer? I really don't think so.
1: Yeah. Ten goals in, in nine appearances, I think, in the League Cup um, now. Is, it shows you kind of that that's where he's being used. I think, again, we bring it back to the context. the context of, Sunderland were the opponents, and you know, Arsenal were expected to score plenty of goals, and he should hmm. be scoring the chances that were put on a plate for him. Although saying that his third goal was was very nicely taken with that backfield effort after Pepe's setup. Speaking of which, Lev Nicholas Pepe, I spoke about him this morning on the show and got a lot of stick. Um, and to be fair, I say a lot of stick, it was kind of 50-50 in the comments about whether or not people agreed with my standpoint. Just a brief view of where I was at. I felt that the performance from Pepe showed it was a perfect example of what Pepe can give you, but also of why he's not playing in Mikel Arteta's team. Mm. Um, in the sense that he gives you, you can give you flashes of brilliance. He can give you a goal. He can give you a couple of assists. But Arteta wants wingers that are going to do far more than just attack, and uh, I think that was evident in the game. Look. He, you know how I
0: feel about Pepe, he infuriates me. I'm a i am ai used to be a winger, right? And I could see so much talent in the lad. Like he's mm. got ridiculous amounts of skill. You we saw it in flashes against Sunderland. I mean, he gave Hume a torrid time. I felt sorry for the lad. He was it was constantly nutmegging and constantly taking him for service, constantly getting him behind him. It was ridiculous and for once yesterday on the odd occasion, he had the end product, which is what we lack with, with him in the final third, his decision-making infuriates me. Um But he's 26 now. We can't keep saying, oh, he's, he's you know, he's, you know, he'll develop, he'll get there, he'll get there. He, he doesn't, he doesn't make the right decisions in the final third. So uh, as much as I really want him to do well, I can understand why people have lost patience with him. He's, it just doesn't do... He, he can score a goal. He can do that drifting on the left foot into the far post and all that. He's got that in the locker. But his overall play is not consistent enough. And and maybe his team selection, team play positionally, I heard Arteta shouting at him quite a bit from the bench in that game. So maybe that's what infuriates Arteta as well. So um,
2: There's no doubt that he's got a tremendous amount of talent and it's such a shame that Pepe is you know brushed with the 72 million price tag that is a really difficult burden to carry and it shouldn't be his burden it's the club's burden the club made a mistake paying that amount of money for a Mm. player like that and this is why I, I want you know, fans to lay off Ben White a little bit because he cost 50 million. Now the British transfer market is completely different. We know that you overpay for British players, but that's what the marketplace um, dictates. And I also think that he's not covered himself in any glory, has he? Now, there was a time where Aubameyang, Lacquer, and Pepe were, you know, really good, that front three going together. And I do believe he had a huge part to play in our FA Cup win As well, but his inconsistency is what has cost him. And I know I called Aubameyang lazy earlier and maybe that was a little bit tough, but Pepe has and illustrates laziness. You know, unfortunately, Arteta is going to want his plays to track back a little bit and he doesn't do it, you know, well enough, (coughs) consistently enough game over game. Mm. There's moments where he's brilliant and he's average for 80 minutes and then he he does something within 10 minutes and, you know, we beat Norwich 1-0 because of his pass. So he's that type of player too. His stats dictate a better play than what you see. He's not Mm. so easy on the eye all the time. And I think we expect miracles from him. And maybe that's, you know, we have too many expectations as fans. I'm not sure he fits into the Arteta mold long term. And I don't know if he's going to want to just be a Carabao Cup, you know, or FA Cup player. I just don't see that. And unfortunately, he's going to end up being in the type of play that we lose, you know, ROI on when eventually he does hmm. move on from from the Arsenal. But he was fun last night. But look who he was playing against. Has he done hmm. that against, you know, um, Trent Alexander Arnold, or has he done that against, well, whoever plays on? Uh, name any, like sure. you know, left back or whoever in the Premier League at top level. Has he done that? Have you seen him destroy players like that at the top level in the Premier League? I don't think so.
0: Mm. I think Rancid Pumpkin hit the nail on the head when it comes to Pepe right now. <laughs> you know, he's, yeah, he's a Harlem Globetrotter. He's fun to watch, but not the football player we need. Perhaps that's, that's what we're trying to say. He's, he's great technically. He's got amazing skills, but maybe just doesn't fit the way Arteta wants to play.
2: Mm. Also, someone brings up a good point too. This tracking back thing, it has become a bit of an epidemic mm. you know, in modern football. And there are certain players that are luxury players that never really used to have to do that. And in modern football, it it seems like if you don't do that, you know, you could find yourself out of the team. Has he fallen foul of that, you guys? Yeah, this was the comment. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I think it's a different ball game now than it was. Um, mm-hmm. I, I think that you can apply that to a lot of things about football. I think you can apply it to captaincy these days. I think you can apply it to finances and transfer fees these days. When you start comparing football in 2021 to what it was like 10, 20, 30, 40, however many years ago, I think the lines start to blur too much. And you, and the level of kind of legitimacy about arguments between different eras of the game it, it's it's mm-hmm. difficult to compare because football is a game now where clubs spend millions on the finest of margins on getting one extra point a season compared to the previous year in the case of the you know the Manchester City's Liverpool's of this world so I don't think it, I don't think you should look at it as it being annoying sure it might frustrate you football's changed in those years and we might remember the good old days of Arsenal it would for Arsenal in particular because of how successful we used to be but In this day and age, if you're not a team that presses, if you're not a team that has wingers that are able to trap back, if you're not able to have the fitness of a side that's able to go for 90-plus minutes twice a week, you Mm. are going to fall away. And so whilst it may be annoying that we need to expect this from players, if you're not expecting it from players, you are going to be at a disadvantage to the teams that are having that throughout Mm. their teams. And that's That's why I think having Partey lets you down, maybe. That's a yeah. really,
0: really interesting point that Sophie's highlighted. And that's a great uh, statement Absolutely. in the chat as well. Yeah. Because the fact is, if you go back to the 80s, you had players like Hoddle, who was ahead of his time, for example, or England. Way. Yeah? Way ahead of his time, and we wanted, we expected midfielders to be Brian Robson, swashbuckling, getting your tackles in, sliding. But then you had French down the road, who had Platini in a very similar position, very similar to Glenn but they they played the team around him, and those mm-hmm. luxury players were relied on. Everyone had that talisman, didn't they? Mm-hmm. Later on, you had the likes of Zidane, and you know you had Maradona, and all, all these talisman players that were luxury players we were considered luxury because they could do something out of the ordinary. Whereas today Mm -hmm. we don't, we don't have the patience for that. Again, we've gone sort of nineties. We, we accepted it. And that was, you know, you had your hardworking players and then you had your offensive players. And then now we've gone full circle and we're saying that everyone, no matter how talented, no matter how great they are, technically has to do what they're expected of them in the team.
2: That's such a great point because this is why Gaza was so lucky to play under Robson and Venables, mm. two, two England managers who had a bit of that continental um, flair in them. Mm. And he benefited from that, whereas Hoddle did not at all. And when you look back, it's criminal that England didn't build, build a team around Glenn Hoddle. So that's a great point. Um so you I'm surprised
1: know, surprised that Asensio signed him uh, at Monaco when, like, just because that's he enjoyed those times. Yes, of guys, didn't it?
2: yes, absolutely.
1: Yeah. yeah, and the thing about Pepe, just to kind of put a bookend on this end of the conversation, it's it's never the discussion about Pepe is is for me. It's never about is he good, is he bad. That's that's not the discussion for me. The discussion is is does Pepe fit. In what we're trying, in what Arteta's trying to do. And the honest answer is no. If we had a team that had the room for a quality luxury addition like Pepe, then sure. And I, interestingly, like if you say, maybe not Pep Guardiola in particular at Manchester City, but say you've got a team of that. Level of quality and strength in depth. Pepe, like Mare's, may flourish in, in that kind of side and that setup, and he'd be given mm. the allowance to do and play how he wants to, because you'll have a player like Carl Walker behind you who's got the most recovery pace in the entire planet. So you can maybe mm-hmm. have someone like that in your team that's able to give you so many chances. But with Arsenal, Every single player in that 11 has to be full tilt, full time for us to get to where we need to be. And the problem with Arsenal over the last 10 years is we've made mistakes in the market that have led us to having, say, three or four players that we're looking at and going, yeah, they're great. I'd keep them under a new coach or in the next five years, but the rest of the team, I'd replace them tomorrow. So... 100%. 100%, and
2: that's 100%, that. 100% be, uh, sorry lev i was going to say right. like look at look at the difference tommy's made coming in look at the difference tierney made when he mm. came in too when you look at those players who are flourishing in arteta's system i think it totally backs up what you're saying in that it's mm. not necessarily that he's not a talent but at the same time He's Arteta's trying to play a certain way. And I think culturally, we've got to move on from certain players in order for us to continue uh, to flourish as a team. And for the first time in a long time, we're actually playing as a team. And I think that's a really big deal.
1: Go left.
0: No, I was just saying, I mean, you could also say something similar about the likes of Xhaka, for example. I don't think he's an awful player. I just don't think he's premierships. He's not suited to the Premier League at top level. You know, he's better and he's slower. And there's, we've got a couple of players like that that would do well elsewhere. They're just not right for the way Arteta wants to play. And I think Pepe is now starting to fall into that bracket, yeah.
1: Yeah, I mean, the question I always try and ask when we're signing a player that's going to start week in, week out is, is are they going to get into the teams that we're looking to compete with? That should be the, the rhetoric for any signing. Tommy Asu, I think, has proven to be, alongside Trent, probably the best right-back in the league this season. I'm, I'm struggling to think of a right-back. Reese James, you could probably argue, playing as a wing-back and defensively he's not had to do the same amount as what Tommy Asu's done. But overall game, has Tommy Asu been better? than, than Reese mm-hmm. James. that is a solid argument to say defensively he's far better. Offensively, Reese James is obviously far better. So one and one out, Tommy Asu
0: is solid. Very Yeah, solid.
1: absolutely. And I would trust him to, to lock out Rhys James had they ever come up against one another. Mm. You then go in to say, Trent, again, going forwards like James. Brilliant defensively. There are question marks about him. And and if Tommy Asu can kind of add that to his game, the, the offensive side, which is something that I think he has, in fact, improved at so far this season... We don't have a hell of a player mm. there. So, See, what I like on, about uh,
2: Tommy, though, he's one of those players uh, for so long, and I c- compare it to um, a coach here in NFL, Bill Belichick, the New England Patriots. The reason why they had so much consistency consistency for so long, he his philosophy is just do your job. And if every player on that team just does their job, success can happen. I like that Tommy just does his job. I don't want him to do too much yet. And I feel like... Um, You know, Reese James has fallen out of form a little bit, but he's a fabulous Mm. player. Trent was out of form and has found his form again. Fantastic player. Agree with you that they have some deficiencies going back. What I love about Tommy is that you don't see too many negatives. He just focuses on his job and he makes players around him better, including someone like a Ben White. And hearing his comments and, and Ben White's comments about him just underlines that. And Bellerin never did his job. You know, Maitland Niles, it's not his job to be a right back. It's not what he wants. You know, Kalasinac at left back never really did his job all the time. Tierney does. Nuno mm. is mm. gonna get there eventually. And I would love eleven players who just do their job. And I feel like we're kind of getting there with this squad as they as they grow together.
1: Yeah. That that squad construction is what has let Arsenal down over the last decade, and why mm-hmm. we've regressed, alongside the the poor appointment of Unai Emery, and then initially it looked to be Arteta, and whether or not he proves to be the long right choice in the long run is still up for we, debate. We Still exactly. don't know, do we? We still don't no. know. And I, I mean, I wrote a piece about that this morning, saying how it's I sit mad. firmly on the fence. Two years later, like someone, I think we saw the tweets. I mean, it's a good point to kind of end the not to say end. We've got plenty of time left for the show, but just to, to move on to the next topic. Like I, when people were talking about Arteta's two-year tenure, how would you rate out a ten? I said a solid five because I just can't lean either way. I feel like this could implode into another eighth-place finish before the end of the season, or mm. we could explode into a top-four side by the end, and I have no idea which of those two it's going to be because there's not enough evidence. <laughs> of, there's not enough evidence of consistency that you know that we can actually push towards that top-four place, but mm. equally. There's not enough evidence that we are bad enough that we would fall out of the the race for a top four this season because we've we've had some really really good performance, especially the last three Premier League games. So it's impossible for me to sit here and say one side or the other. And I said that I would make a judgment at Christmas. I've been saying that for months, but I think I'm going to have to delay it because I can't <laughs> I can't move either side. So where? Where would you sit after two years of Arteta? Where are you on this spectrum of, of judgment?
2: So I think he's he's done one thing that I love that I'll give him an eight out of ten for, and that is trying to change a culture and re re redefining what the DNA and player profile has to be in order to play for the Arsenal. And I I believe that, yes, we've lost a lot of money letting players go for free. But the last January transfer window, I thought, was the beginning of his true tenure, right? Where he was able to shift players out, looking towards that summer, bring players in. So from that point of view... I like that he's been ruthless and is taken no prisoners. Now, do I want him to be a bit more consistent in how he treats players and man manages them? Yes. And I think as a young manager, that's something he's going to have to grow into, right? For example, Xhaka inherited the armband, was, was captain, Abameyang inherited the armband after Xhaka threw his shirt down at the Emirates, told Arsenal fans to F off and yet still finds his way in the team and is able to play gets sent off gets patted on the backside by arteta as he gets sent off nicola pepe gets sent off gets ostracized is you know is benched after playing well is benched after being sent off and here we are abamyang is late and i agree the captain can't behave like that so there's an inconsistency in terms of how he treats players genduzi strangles a player against brighton acts like a punk Can't man-manage him, ostracizes him, sends him to France. Saliba, super talented, right? I don't think there's any doubt. I think the issue with Saliba, Tom, we've talked about this before, is maybe character versus talent. And again, can't deal with him. Three years, 27.5 million player, goes on loan again. Those are the things I think that Arsenal fans want to see more consistency of. I think he stuck stuck with Aubameyang too long. He didn't make that decision quick enough. What have we scored? 14, 15 goals since he's been benched. So I think he's learned a lot in the last few months. uh, And I'm hoping to see this Arteta a little bit more going forward. Now, it's all well and good beating Norwich, scraping against Brighton, beating Burnley, beating a depleted Leeds, you know, um, beating Sunderland in the League Cup what are you going to do are you going to be able to do what you did against chelsea last season can you build on that are you going to can you beat liverpool if it's not in the um the community shield you know yeah. can you beat a, a manchester united that really have they been better than us this season very poor manchester city are you going to be able to evolve that so for me those are the things that he needs to work on so I've not been a huge fan, as you know, because I don't think finishing eighth in the Premier League two seasons is good enough. He too, like Emery, had a chance to qualify for Europe. He dumped us out of Europe for the first time in how long? If he doesn't get back into Europe at the end of the season, does he keep his job? I think he will. But for me, I just think after two years, you've got to move on from that. <clears throat>
1: Lev, where are you sitting with with Mikhail after two? Years? Firm,
0: firmly in the middle right now. Yeah, and the, you're with and me. Re- yeah, well, yeah, yeah but, listen, but, but not not because I'm a <laughs> listen, not because I'm a fence sitter. Because you know, mm. my gut instinct still tells me that we this squad would do better with a better manager, right? I think we've been underperforming with this squad personally, right? Um, however, none of the things that Sophia has, has has mentioned surprised me because rightfully like she said this is a man learning on the job we picked a man that was going to learn on the job so all the mistakes he's going to make he's going to openly make them in front of us we've Mm. got to accept that right so the question is will he learn from them and the second question is will he learn from them fast enough because what mistakes
1: do you think he's made that he has learned i mean
0: it was the man it's more mostly man management Firstly related, which is obviously something he's gonna have to learn to pick up along the way because it's different being a coach when a manager says, Go and coach these boys, tell them what to do. And it's different actually managing these guys and deciding whether they're playing, whether or not they're they're in the right mind frame, they're doing what you're asking of them, etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera. That's a whole different kettle of fish. So he's gonna learn. He is learning. Um, he's made some tactical mistakes, he hasn't made uh a lot of substitutions weren't made quick enough. A lot of decisions weren't made quick enough, but we started to see a little bit of difference. He is making bolder decisions quicker now, which he never used to do. Um, He's clamping down on players that are messing around a lot quicker and a lot more firmly. And then he's giving others a chance that, that, that deserve a chance. So those areas he is developing. So, Mate, it's it's difficult to say. I hope he comes good because I'm not Arteta in or out. I'm Arsenal win, like I've always said. If yeah. a manager's doing good enough, he's good enough for Arsenal. If he's not doing good enough, then he's not good enough. So let me ask you guys see. this: Can I Go ask on, a quick Gosh, question, sure. Tom?
2: If we win the FA Cup, we get back into Europe, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but if if for you guys we win the League Cup, there's a qualifying to get into. No, um, it's not.
1: It's the Europa Conference. The league Europa Conference, that. right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so if
2: we win the league if we win another trophy, but yeah, we yeah. finish in seventh.
1: Not good does- enough. No, I'd say we haven't progressed and he needs to go, is what I would say. I, I'm I looking at the I'm looking at the league. That's what I'm mm. looking at. Yeah, the, for me, the league is always going to be the thing. That's not to discredit the 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 kind of what's the word I'm looking for? The prestige of either the League Cup or the FA Cup. I love winning the FA Cup. I loved winning it under our is it what around. it used to be though, Tom? I'm going to be honest I, and I think it. It's, is it what it I used think to that's, be? I think it is in the, in regards to how it's, you know, I think it is in regards to it hasn't changed uh, what, it, what it does or what it brings your, is an FA Cup that you win now worth any more or less than an FA Cup that you won 40 years ago? I mean, just on paper, no. But what's lessened it is probably the focus on European football much more and making sure that your money and the finances backs from being involved in the Champions League. That's what's diminished it in regards to, where it puts you. But if you if if Chelsea fans try and come at me about their history, I turn around and I say how many FA, FA Cup trophies have you won? How many Premier League and league titles have you won? And those that combination of titles and trophies puts us on a higher pedestal than Chelsea, even with their two Champions League, because to me those things are important. Trophies are trophies. So that in itself when you're looking at a club's stature, I think it's still as high up there on the pedestal but in regards to it allowing you to progress forwards being in the top four is more important the being in the top four will get you closer to winning a premier league title again than winning the fa cup and that's just kind of to do with the with the way the game is right now so Mm -hmm. going, going back to the kind of original point if arsenal finish outside the top six but were to win a league cup or an fa cup i would still say he's not progressed us and there is a solid argument that he should move on, and that in two and a half years of his time at the club, two full seasons plus that first initial six months, it, it's not enough. And I would want to see another coach come in that can take on a club that Arteta's built really well, a squad that he is that's that part of his thing. I can't, you know, I can't cre- uh, discredit that. It's been brilliant the way he's built it. But what he's doing with it in the time frame and the evidence we've got available is not enough for me to say, Yes, you know, he needs to continue that. I would want another coach to take it on and take us forwards. However, if we get into the top six this season, Cup aside, that is progression based upon the, the previous year. We would have gone forwards a step. You can then say that we haven't Yes, we haven't reached the top four. But my expectation wasn't top four at the start of the season because I don't think that we've got a squad that's better than United, Chelsea, Liverpool, Man City. So we would have had to have overachieved to get into the top four. But mm. if we get, say, fifth, you know, that's... I think we have the fifth best squad. I don't think we have the fifth best manager right now. We probably have, you know... the eighth best eighth ninth best coach in the league if if that just based on his inexperience and what he's done so far and the experience of the other coaches in the top if you look at the actual coaches in the league there are a lot of good coaches so not, so having that eighth or ninth or even maybe lower plus the fifth best squads so i think the expectation is right now that arsenal would finish in fifth but if we finish in fourth you'd have to say that that is a, a brilliant achievement considering all the other circumstances around what do you make of sophie the argument of because some people say, use the words, I have higher standards. And like my standard for Arsenal is that they are a Premier League competing Champions League established side. Mm. When, where does the, where does that argument come in? And where does the legitimacy of that ar- argument lie?
2: I think we mistake or others, uh, mm. and I, I talk about this a lot. Um, with people is the fact that we're still a big club versus being a good Premier League club. That's the difference. The Arsenal Football Club is still a draw. It's still a prestige club. And let's be honest, it's Liverpool, Manchester United, Arsenal. They're the OGs, right? Chelsea, new money. Man City, new money. They've created a new culture. They've created new recent history. Manchester City are a are a small club doing big things. That's the difference. They can't sell out their Champions League games. They're garnering new fans around the world because they're winning a lot. But they're not a bigger club than Arsenal Football Club, but they're doing bigger things than us. And mm. I think that's the difference. We want to get back to doing big things again in the Premier League. And I, and that, for me, is, is the thing. I want to be competitive. My, my goal for this season, I just want to be competitive again in the Premier League. And mm. then I want consistency. And then let's figure out how we get back into Europe because without European football, we, we lose the ability to sign certain players, which then fall, we fall further back to City, to United, to Chelsea, to Liverpool. That's the goal. Um, and we got lucky, really, this summer. The player profile that we went after, you know, we were able to dangle the Euro- Europa League carrot in front of players like Oba and Laka and Gabriel and Thomas Party. But without European football, we signed Tommy Yasu, Ben White,
1: mm. Sambi,
2: Nuno. But it's fortunate Ramsdale. Those players have worked out for us. Not yeah. ha- doesn't happen often that so many players work out, Tom. So I think there's a difference between being a big club and being an average club in the Premier League right now.
0: Lev? It winds me up. When my mates, my fans, other opposing fans turn around and say, Oh, you're a dead club, you're not big anymore, etc., etc., it's rubbish. Mm-hmm. I mean, Liverpool, for example, what they went, what 30 years without winning the title? 30. Yeah. Were they ever mentioned as not a big club? Man United, before Ferguson's years, was 27, I think it was. And then, um, since he's gone, so Alex Ferguson, they've not, you know, they've, they've spiraled as well. Everything historically, it has always happened in cycles. Nothing has changed in football. Cycles have always been there. In the 20s and 30s, we were the the, the top team with Herbert Chapman, and that changed. And then, you know, everyone's had their time. But it's always been the same four or five teams, admittedly, in that cycle. But we will have our time again. I just don't understand why people say you're not a big club anymore, because you're not winning things. We are still a draw. Are we a draw when it comes to the likes of Man City and Chelsea right now, and, and Liverpool, who have got the money, and Liverpool have got money and legacy right now, that's different. That's a difficult... That's difficult. But generally, we're still a big draw. And just like uh, Sophie's mentioned with our, our recent transfer deals, you can get players that are on the cusp of becoming great players. Yeah. The likes of Leicester did it with Kante and players like that. Yeah. You know, the likes of Wolves and those sort of players and Liverpool uh, teams. Did it. Yeah, those teams caught up with yeah. us by being shrewder in the market than we were. You mm-hmm. know, so you can still compete um, you do have to have the right sort of system, the right layout. And the, the one you going back to the Arteta thing, you were saying, you know, um, where do I sit? The only concern for me now is that we're that deep into this process and we've changed everything from the, the foundation up, I believe, to try and change mm-hmm. that culture, like Sophie mentioned earlier, we'd literally have to scrap it all and start again. And I don't want us to have to go back no. to that, if you catch my drift. this I th- you know, You've know you got someone's philosophy now embedded for the last two or three years. Do we then rip that up and start again and get somebody else? What I philosophy? would
1: say, though, Lev, is I think that what Edu... And I remember coming onto your show and we talked a lot... Do you remember when Edu did that, did that interview with Sky and we broke it down? We talked a lot about his interview and there's a lot of criticism about that interview after the close of the transfer window. One of the things he said during that window was look, let's just see what the team does when they're all available and they're all fit. And after they were available and all fit, that we we started to progress and we moved forward and we're now in a situation where we're fourth in the league and you have to say credit to him. Now, you say credit to him now, but it ultimately will matter at the end of the season where we finish. But mm. what I would say is that I think you can draw a lot of parallels with Liverpool because I think that if you look at the business they did when they say, I think it, they brought Coutinho in for like 10 million from Inter Milan, they brought Suarez in from Ajax. These were players that, you know, at the time, They weren't, you know, they weren't pulling up trees or they weren't the next, they weren't gonna be, they weren't like a marquee signing like an Allison or a Van Dyke was for them later down the line. But those savvy pieces of business put them into a position that when they got into the Champions League and established, they were able to then go and sign, you know, uh, a Van Dijk and Alisson. And that took them to that next level. And that's what I see with Arsenal's business under Edu, mm-hmm. is that we're signing players like your Tommy your Randalls, your lacongas your Tavares, flesh out the quality in the team. And then if... By a mirror, a bit of we'll need a little bit of luck this season, quite a bit of luck to get into the top four. But say if we were to get into that top four, then you're in a position then with Champions League football next season, with the with the need to go out and sign both the striker and a central midfielder after already fleshing out the call it in the squad and money available to bring in a real quality striker and a real quality center midfielder that transforms us like Allison and Van Dyke did for Liverpool. And I like that project and the way that we're moving Hmm.
2: and remember when they signed Salah he was considered a Premier League bust they took that was a risk signing and it's worked out brilliantly right and also I think Liverpool's relevancy stuck even more so because they won the Champions League and they got to a final as well Mm -hmm. Um, so I thought that made a little bit of a difference but yeah I mean we're 17 years they went 30 years so we live in hope. Hopefully, we don't have another 13 years to wait.
1: Yeah, we've got we've got some years left to to try and beat that record. That's for sure. Um, fingers crossed. I mean, we we go into kind of the next. Is that something we're th- aiming for now? Is it? <laughs> well, to win the league within the next 13 years. To be honest, if you said to me that we were going to win the league within the next 13 years, it's it's an interesting like concept because that would mean having to beat Man City, Chelsea, Liverpool to the title and Man United who also want to get back there. The idea of winning a title now compared to, you know, say 20 years ago when we like, when we did win the, win the title, it's still an amazing achievement, but to win the Premier League title now is a trickier task in my view than it was when we were winning that uh, in our golden years. And Mm -hmm. it is much, much harder to get there, which is also kind of why that argument of like saying, I hold my club to those higher standards. We were a team that were winning titles You know, even the Invincibles team would not necessarily be guaranteed a title in this day and age because of how competitive it is. So you need Uh, an insanely good side. And how many times
2: did the Invincibles go back to the Champions League final? How many Champions League finals did they play in? It's tough. Winning is is tough. And look, even go to 2015 when Leicester won it. Is that going to happen again anytime soon? And did that happen because teams around Leicester were rebuilding or restructuring or, you know, were Leicester that good that season? That was one of those years where you're like, wow, you look back and you think that's amazing that they were able to achieve that.
1: Um, This is interesting from RM. Uh, We will never win a title under the owner Stan Kroenke. And this is a really... I know we're getting in, even deeper into the rabbit hole. What, have you, what have you brought
0: me into today? I was just talking about <laughs> we just <laughs> like, I'm
1: going to have to change the thumbnail for oh, this I wasn't show, ready so. for this. I
0: didn't even have a coffee.
1: Um, do you agree with that? Can Can you win a title under the current ownership? Because what we're doing in the market in the last two years is going forwards. We're still not seeing investment from the ownership. But Liverpool... You know, Liverpool didn't have an injection of funds to get to where they are. So is the argument valid that we can't win a title under our current ownership? Who, who look you at their thinking faces. Us? I'm, so, actually, I'm looking have, at you we both. You have given a name
0: now, so I'm not answering. I'm scared to answer in case he was asking Sophie. So it's aren't. open. It's open, when, either of you. Until you confirm to who, who, that's, who that's... Go that on, name Dick. <laughs> <laughs> oh took it there oh my days Way, all right lads I can't do that um very good yeah it's terrible Uh, that's what you get when you get a Cypriot doing uh doing accent unless it's unless it's Greek then uh, or Cypriot then you can do that um I don't know I mean look you could argue uh, the owners and this that and the other but look look at the difference having the right people in place makes you know we those owners did spend stupid money on on poor players I mean you could argue it was the people that they had in management that were selecting these players. Who was it? Like, Mm. obviously, it's still under their stewardship. It still falls under their their remit, and they they still need to be held accountable. But you can't argue that money has been spent. Surprisingly so, when I looked at it. And when I looked at how much money we spent on a load of average dross, that says to me, hold on, okay, you can't argue that they're not backing us financially, because if we had gone for the right players, we wouldn't be in that situation. So is it possible to win... With this current ownership, they're not my favourite owners. If they keep giving us the money and we've got the right people in place, there's no reason why you can't. If Leicester can compete with what they had, I mean, yes, okay, it was 2015, Sophie rightfully said, but they didn't have anywhere near the draw we have as a team, and they still managed Mm -hmm. to put a team together to compete, and arguably we should have won that title in 2015. So, um yes we can win it if we got the right people in place and as long as they're willing to give us the money the question where it comes down to the owners is the people that they're bringing into the club to um take that money and do what they're doing with it that's where they should be looking at that's where they should be held accountable but you can't argue the case that they haven't given us the the right amount of money Mm -hmm. so you can't can you
2: yeah i i think um there's no reason why not, but I agree with Lev. It's unfortunately their decision making and who they've hired to manage that process and manage that money um, hasn't, you know, hasn't been smart enough. Mm. Uh, but I think that look at the end of the day, everyone pray that the Rams win the Super Bowl this year because he's thrown the kitchen sink at the LA Rams here in LA. the 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 final is in LA too. It's in on their home turf. They 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 won yesterday against the Seahawks. I feel like if he can get the Super Bowl with the Rams, there'll be a little bit more focus on Arsenal. And there's no doubt that is the his baby, Josh Josh's baby or his inherited baby mm. is the Arsenal. Yeah. Um. And so for me, there's no reason why not. Uh. But you know, I don't think they're not picking the team. They're not picking the tactics. They don't decide who gets to play every week. The manager does that. The people that they hire do that so those it's it's down to them as much as it is the owners as well it has to be a collective
1: yeah for me the energy that we talk about and i know a lot of people who I, I follow and i have respect for their opinions i mean turkish in particular i know it's very heavy on on the on the ownership and uh, i i can see a lot of the points that he raises at times but i do get a sense that that so, that, that that we could you could say swap out our ownership with a, a billionaire that was going to give us so much money to spend and the people that were making the decisions on who we were buying over the last say 10 years, minus say the last two summers would have still made so many mistakes with that money. It's Mm. it's not about how much you have. It's about how you spend it. And I think, Lev, what you were talking about with the players that Leicester are bringing in, what we were discussing about with the players that Liverpool have brought in, as we mentioned Suarez and Salah and Sadio Mane, and, and bringing in these players that were going to you know, flesh out the team. Andrew Robertson from Hull, look what he's done since coming in. I mean, imagine yeah. what Arsenal fans, how Arsenal fans would have reacted if we'd have brought in Andrew Robertson from Hull, instead of going out and signing, say, Benjamin <laughs> Mendy from Monaco for, 40, uh, for $50 yeah, yeah. million. Exactly. Yeah, it, it's so, funny
0: how people's, people look at names and they, they want to see Robertinho rather than Robertson or something like that. They're there'll yeah. be more you, this is what i'm saying it's all about who they bring in to to deal with that money and what they do with that money i don't think it's the owners per se although i don't really like them as i say and turkish has a point in those areas but i mean you got to question who they've been hiring prior to now I mean you would have been better off taking Arsenal to Dragon's Den they would have scrutinized it more and asked the manager what it, you know what he brings to the table before giving him the you know giving him the the sort of uh, opportunity to run the club or manage the club so we, we watch this space they've given him money they've backed him if it develops then you can't argue the case can you
1: no, um, I did. Before we wrap up, I did want to give the chance for questions from the chat box. So we've got about ten minutes or so. So do throw in uh, your questions to the chat box, and we'll. Try Sophie loves t- questions,
0: guys. Sophie <laughs> as loves- many
1: of them as possible. Um, <laughs> Stephen says we have mismanaged. It's still going to take a few years because we were in a right mess with poor players and the wrong philosophy. Mikey says, look at Chelsea. They win plenty, and already their fans want Tuchel out. I mean, that in itself. They win the Champions League less than what six months ago. Six seven months ago, and they're already asking for Tuchel to leave. It's it's it does look like
0: Mr. Burns, though. So, there is that.
1: <laughs> when you get into that kind of mindset, don't you? When you're winning so often and you're spending so much and sacking so often, it becomes the norm, I suppose. Like Liverpool's very different. Jurgen Klopp's been there for a long time. They've built something there, Um, and obviously they've gone through tough periods. There was that. I mean, even last season, they nearly fell out of of the top four, and they could have done if they had have done. I don't think there would have been visceral calls for Klopp to go necessarily because I think there was an understanding around that and also an appreciation for what's kind of come before. And then you look at them this season, they're back already uh, in the title race. Uh, Matt G says, lost our first three games, Sophie. Bottom of the league. Players left for free. Manager got COVID. Dropped our captain. Highest paid player. Are you worried our Amazon documentary will be boring?
2: <laughs> oh, gosh. I, I don't think any of us can wait to see that. Um, I'm not
0: I a huge fan.
2: <laughs> I, I I can't,
0: think it all depends yeah, I on how it ends, did it? Really, <laughs> True. That's very true.
2: <laughs> I don't think it's gonna be as bad as people think. I don't think it's gonna be as embarrassing as Tottenham, that's for sure. Um mm. that ended up being embarrassing. Let's hope that's not the case. Uh but yeah, I think it's a funny question. It won't it won't be boring. This is the Arsenal after all. And how many twists and turns do we have left for the rest of the season? Quite a few, probably. I don't
0: know if I can watch it. <laughs> We're that, not even man. halfway we... through. I don't even know if I can watch <laughs> it. It's just like... Honestly, it. if it ends well, I'm definitely watching it. But it's I will like watch it, the play, isn't it You don't watch <laughs> of the play when you lose. It, I, I think it is
1: it is different though, because you're going to be able to see, it's going to be a side to the club that we've not seen. Yes, there's going to be an element of, of censorship. I think we all know that, and we are going into it knowing that there is an element of, we're going to see what the club has effectively wanted us to see. But I'm hoping that there is still going to be a, You know, as much reality to it as as feasible. It's gonna be like Wizard of Oz at the end. That's what it'll
0: be. (laughs) Behind the curtain, who's behind the curtain? (laughs) (laughs) No heart, no brains, no. <laughs> no courage.
1: What's wrong with you guys? It just reveals and Shahin's just sitting there the whole time. He's been doing everything. <laughs> I knew it. I knew it. <laughs> he ends up being the wizard. Yeah, definitely. Um, Lev, uh, Peter Renner says, would it not make more sense to sell Eddie now rather than lose him for free in the summer, but make sure that we put a sell on or buyback clause or even both and then reinvest the money in the team?
0: Yes, it would be. It would make more sense, but we don't do things that make sense, do we? Not not just, not just that though, is it? I don't think um, Eddie. It's up to Eddie, really. If he doesn't want to go, he can. He can stay, stay and run out mm. his contract, can not he? And let's be honest, why would he go now when he can get when a nice juicy bonus signing on fee uh, once he's out of contract? I mean, you have got to remember, these guys are human with jobs as well. It's their job. To us, it's a team. It's football. To them, it's a job. It's a career. And He's rightfully advised, stick tight, hold tight. If you're not going to stay here, see out your contract and then go and get a bumper sign-on for fee. Why wouldn't he?
1: Fair enough. Ben Katesh says, On Vlaovic, Sophie, wife, uh, future Madrid slash Barca kind of calibre players want their development to be done in the Champions League clubs like Dortmund. Big clubs have good scouting networks. Why do you think players like him are afraid of joining us?
2: I don't think they're afraid of joining Arsenal. We just can't offer him European football right now. January transfer window is going to be very tricky. Um, I'm not sure we're going to do lots of business in January. And with whether or not African Cup of Nations goes ahead right now, obviously it is. Mm. That's going to be interesting to see how we handle missing um, two or three players. Uh, but I, I don't think that players are afraid to join Arsenal. We've proven that we can sign players. I mean, Le Bamiang wasn't top living when he came. Lacazette wasn't. Thomas Partey wasn't. Gabriel was sought after by most teams in in Europe. Kieran Tierney right. was a hot commodity. Mm, and so, for me, for me, it's um, it's all about European football. They top players want to play in Europe. Yeah, Tom, well, can I
0: ask a quick question on that? Of course, what, can. Throw, throw one in there. Yeah. So, bearing in mind where we are at the moment, would Arsenal not be wise? to look at the table and go, hold on, this is an unprecedented season. We don't know what's going to happen. We're in a position we weren't expecting to be in. Wouldn't they be better off going, let's just break the bank and go and get someone in January now that could push us to top four? Somebody that could get us all those goals. Would we not be smart doing that this second rather than waiting for, for, for the summer?
1: Yeah, like I, I, the, the, the obvious answer is is yes. The, the, the context to it is that... Is the player that they're going you know, that they want to sign available in January? Vlahovic, mm. for instance, is intent on staying until the summer. It seems, right. uh, even if he wants to, uh, even if he would be open to joining Arsenal. Uh, and then you go: Do you risk spending, say, forty to fifty million pounds on your Plan B when you would be able to get your Plan A exactly. for sixty million in the summer? It's like
0: stick or bust, isn't it? It's like twist it, or bust.
1: Right? It is. And is it worth taking that gamble on your Plan B? And then if they get you into the Champions League, amazing. Like, they can, bec- they become your plan, eh? They've achieved your target. They've got you where you wanted to go. But it's it's a fine balancing act. And I think, ultimately, the striker situation in particular is so complicated because of this whole Bamian captaincy controversy, Lacazette's contract expiring and Ketia's contract expiring, Balogun going to be going out on loan, that unless you know and you have clarity about all of those individual players before you can make kind of a decision on Mm -hmm. on what we do in that. But I think if we sign... Absolutely no one in January. I think that would be naive. Um, I think that we do need to go out and be a little bit savvy, either be it kind of alone for a striker that's not getting necessarily many minutes elsewhere, but that would be hungry to prove themselves across six months. I, I always bring up Luka Jovic as a possible example. I uh, recently talked, been trying to look into Arta Cabral, who plays for Basel, who scored 27 goals in 31 games as a 23-year-old. He's very exciting and, and was recommended by plenty of people in our chat box. So he's a possible option. Uh, the other area is midfield. Do you go out and sign a midfielder on loan? To, to I think that you probably have to. And again, are you able to get an investment for a player in Jan or is it going to have to be a loan with someone that's going to be hungry, just kind of like Martin Erdegaard was in those last six months? Yeah. Uh, any final thoughts, guys, before we wrap things <laughs> up?
0: Lev? Final
1: thoughts. Uh, Look, my (laughs)
0: final thoughts are as follows, guys. Like, most important thing, obviously, be healthy, enjoy your Christmas, make sure you're with your loved ones, Mm. spend that time with your loved ones, okay? That's my first bit of advice, that, you know, don't let them beat You drag you down. Second bit of advice is look, football is football. Yeah, <laughs> <For> your family's <laughs> definitely, you. he's, <laughs> definitely <laughs> at he's definitely Cypriot. This I'm Cypriot, mate. Yes, sip-free. look, Sophie didn't even have to ask, she knew exactly what I was talking about. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> she knew exactly what I was talking about, and it makes you good people. That's what it does. Yeah, doesn't it, Sophie? It makes, makes you stronger. That's makes for you sure. Stronger, yeah, that's why we don't get broken easily. Um, but on a more like positive note as well. Football wise, we're doing well. We're in a good position. We're far more uh, higher at the table than we expected. So get behind the team. That's what I would say. Stop getting fixated on our tether in, our out rubbish. Focus on the side. Arsenal in is what we are. I just, I'm positive. I do see green shoots. When I look at the team now, it's more, there's more clarity in the direction we're going in, how we're setting out as a team. We're only a couple, two or three players away from getting to where we need to get to. So I'm positive. Is it Arteta that's going to get us to that next level? I don't know yet. Watch this space, but positive and enjoy your Christmas. Love to all of you guys. There you Amazing go. That's
1: fine there you go. You can find Lev on Twitter at <laughs> Lavanger, right? Is that? It is that. At yeah. Lavanger, if you want to chat with me,
0: if you just there want to chat with me. But if you want the better half Shaheen, that's on our, uh, our Arsenal lounge. <laughs> Please follow us on the Arsenal lounge if you don't already. Hit your notifications on. Smash the likes for us as well. And just follow us. Just follow. We, you know, we just talk about Arsenal. That's all we are. We're fans just like you.
1: Yeah, and you can join myself there every single Monday as well for the show. Oh, yeah, and yeah. Tom's blog. on there as well. I forgot about that. I'm there. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so make sure you give Arsenal a follow as well and Shaheen. And uh, I'm thank sure you'll see guys. Shaheen and Lev back on the show uh, very, very soon. So thank you so much as always. Any final thoughts before we wrap up?
2: I echo what Lev said. Be safe. Um, I'm wishing everyone a healthy and happy uh, holiday season. Merry Christmas to those who celebrate. And, you know, we live in an instant gratification world, whether it's football or life, and everyone wants everything now. And we're all guilty of that in many ways. Um, but I I hope that we try to kind of see things and enjoy them as they come. It's, it's great to be in the semifinal of a cup. It's great to be winning in the Premier League and getting three points. It doesn't have to mean you think we're going to win the Premier League or Arteta is the best manager in the world. I think sometimes as Arsenal fans, we feel guilty to enjoy something. So just enjoy it while it lasts. And if the sky falls at a certain point, we'll deal with that as it comes. But thank you, Tom, for having me on your show this year. You are a first-class gentleman and a great wow. human being. And I wish you all the best. I know next year is a big year for you too. Um, and congratulations on your subscribers and all that you've done uh, this season so far. Well done. And, you know, I'm very grateful that we've cultivated a friendship as well as um, talking football as well. So thank you very much. Thanks. I've got
1: to cry. Oh, man. <laughs> Unbelievable. See, Lev, that, that's not, how you round up show. It's not a Saturday
2: show. night show. It's not that one where they...
1: <laughs> do, do, you to, do you want to go again, Lev? No, I just love everyone. <laughs> I just love you all. Just, just love. No, Is thank it? you so much.
2: Credit where it's due,
0: you know. Uh, um, and to be and... honest, the
1: credit, as I say, always goes to our, the community here. Like the, the chat box who have been showing you both a lot of love uh, in the chat. They've really been... I, I, liked,
0: the I liked one of the comments in there. Hi, Sophie. Tom, do one. That was my favorite. What was that? Uh, did you see that? It, it was Clive. It was Clive Palmer. It was Clive Palmer. And, oh yeah, was, Clive, yeah, cheeky, bun,
1: cheeky I'm not. Man. I, 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 love I, Clive. I, I
0: saw it. I'm out in you, Clive, because it was my favourite comment of the day. Hi, Sophie. Tom, do one. That was it. That's all he said. Oh, That's awesome. brilliant. You know,
1: no, I I'm could listen texting. to him all day. I'm not happy with him. Do go check out the Arsenal Vision podcast. I mean, Clive, come some on, three you one. <laughs> <laughs> You're still do going me. on, mate. So good. Merry Christmas, everybody. I hope you have a fantastic time. I will see you before Christmas, of course. You can join me tomorrow morning for the next 8am show uh, and a preview show on Christmas Eve for the Norwich game too with some of our members. But again, go check out the Arsenal Lounge. Go check out Highbury Squad with Sophie and, of course, the brilliant Kev Campbell as well. And uh, we will see you again very, very soon. And as always, up the Arsenal.